You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Um, you know, um, I had something in my heart, so I'm going to give you a sermonette. Then I'm going to give you, um, we're going to keep talking about unfeigned faith. So I'm going to give you a sermonette first, and I believe is really, really important. Uh, Pastor Robert said something to me, something I, I, uh, about uh, just some things that are teenagers and young adults are going through about their faith. And when he said it, it just really bothered me. And then I kind of had a situation myself of dealing with a few people that are just questioning, you know, especially teenagers and young adults, of, of where they're at. And um, he gave me a name of it, and I'm not going to name it. I don't know what, you can call it whatever. But, you know, if you know somebody, especially a teenager or a young adult that are questioning what they believe, you know, uh, we need to help them. But so that you can pray better, especially if there's some moms and dads in here. You raise your children in church, and suddenly they're questioning everything. They're wondering, you know, uh, they're, they're kind of uh, um, looking at their faith, and is, is this real? Well, number one, this is what you got to know. There are two kinds of questionings and two kind of results, and so you know where the source comes from. So number one... If someone says to you, I, I'm just kind of, when I hear something preached, I'm really questioning it, you know, because I want to know that I believe the right thing. There's a group in Acts chapter 17. Do you remember the Bereans? Do you remember them? So in Acts 17, 11, so who was ever up there, they can put this up for me. So, um, so here's the sermonette. It says, there were those more noble than in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures how often? daily whether to see those things were so. And so if someone tells you, I'm questioning what my mom and dad taught me, I'm questioning what my church teaches me, and they're doing this, then it's from God. If they're doing this, they're checking daily. But if you're checking on someone, they say, well, I'm just checking my faith. I don't know if my, what my mom and dad told me was true. And they're not doing this, then it's the other thing. And the other thing is very demonic. It's not natural. It's demonic inspired. The devil knows what time it is. The devil knows what time it is. And the devil don't got nothing new. So the other one started in the garden. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Did God say? And so what they do is they begin to question Scripture and what it really means. They begin to question doctrine. And so if that, you know, moms and dads, I don't know who this applies to, but if this does apply to you, you're going to have to get some boldness about you maybe. Um, you know, I know, you know, maybe over um, a, a resurrection luncheon, if you're planning one, is not the time, maybe the week after. But if they're telling you, well, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm uh, Robert gave me a word. I'm not even going to give it a word. I don't like it. And I, 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 it's, but so what is this? Did God say? What is that? That's demonic. It has its origin in the devil. So if you have friends that are teenagers, young adults that are saying, well, I'm just questioning and making sure that what my mom and dad taught me or that what my church taught me, I don't know if that's what God meant. I don't know if that's what God, but see, if they're studying the scripture daily, if they're really looking, that's a Berean thing. And that's a very good and healthy thing. And you ought to be doing that. 
But if they're questioning their upbringing and it was good doctrine, if they're questioning what their church taught them and they're not doing anything with it except for pulling away, its source, its root is in the devil. And then parents and of teenagers and whatever who are questioning things, and I don't know why this is brought up, and I especially think it's for somebody watching tonight. Listen to me. I'm giving you something that you can help them because sometimes when teenagers or young adults are sucked into something, they don't know they're being sucked into something, especially if it's a fad, especially if it's a thing, especially if it's on social media and it looks right. Listen, the devil doesn't poison people with poison. He puts a little poison in something good, right? And so this is the deal though. And why also I know if a teenager or a young adult is questioning good doctrine that you taught them as a parent or they got in a church, especially this church that I know it's demonic is because it's supposed to be passed from generation to generation. And if they despise what you taught them or they question the good doctrine that you taught them, the root, the source is the devil. It's the devil. So what do you and I do? Well, I've been doing it a lot over this last few days. I've been taking authority over it. I've been calling it what it is. I hear you. Uh, it's been, when Robert said that, it just goes all over me. Because I know what the source is. It's the devil. He did the same thing to Eve. And you say, well, you know, and those of you who have children in children's church and whatever, listen to me, you got to get them in church. You got to keep them in church. Those that are teenagers, they don't want to come on Wednesday night. I know I'm preaching to the crowd because you choir because you're already here. But you know what, little Johnny, get you behind the car. We're going to church. Because that's where you belong. You need to hear the word. You've heard Pastor Rhonda's story. Her mama, one time she told her mama she's not going. And she got her butt beat with a belt. And I know that's wrong today, but back then it was okay. <laughs> and she turned out really good. And she said when she got there, God met her. Amen. I'm just warning you. So, man, when he said that to me in staff meeting, something just dropped on me. And then the Holy Ghost immediately said this to me. Immediately. I didn't think this stuff up. I wasn't. <laughs> God said this to me. He said, help them understand what source it comes from. If it comes from a right heart, they'll be in the scripture daily trying to make sure that what they believe is scriptural. And what does it say in the, in the new covenant where it's every scripture, every doctrine, we should have two to three witnesses. Yes. Did some people get, grow up in a squirrely church? Did someone, people, people grow up in a religious church? Sure. All that's true. So what do we do? We're like Brians. We study the word daily to find out what's so. I've told you this forever. You need to check everything I say. If you can't find it in the word, I don't have any right to believe it. Neither do you. But this is the other deal. A lot of people today are having a belief and then going to the Bible to try to make their belief fit what the Bible fit what they believe. That is not how you develop your belief system. I go to the word and the word develops my belief. People say all the time, well, I'm a Christian. I have a right to believe what I want to believe. No, you don't. Not if Jesus is your Lord. There are not many ways to interpret this. There are not many ways to interpret it. Either there's a right way or there's a wrong way. Have I arrived? Not by far. Am I still learning? If you quit learning, if you quit gaining understanding, quit growing, getting revelation, you're in trouble. When you think you have arrived and you figured it all out, you're probably, that's pride and you're ready to fall. Right? So, oh my gosh, can you tell I'm a little stirred up? I'm a, when he said that, man, something dropped on me. 
I am not, I think it's because this, we have decided we're not losing a generation. We're not losing a generation. The devil can't have them. They're the generation of the upright and they will follow the Lord and they're on fire, full of the power of God and they're serving God and they're coming home and they're going to serve God or they're staying home. They're going to do what God wants them to do. Amen and amen. But I just, I felt like I needed to give somebody some ammunition is the wrong word, but ammunition, uh, some word to help somebody understand. Because I think sometimes when people think, well, you know, everybody's doing this right now. Well, like my mama said, your mama said, and her mama said, if everybody was going to jump off a cliff, would you follow them? And that's what this is. It's a cliff. And the devil's not an idiot. And it sounds reasonable to make sure everything you believe is your belief. But which source does it come from? The devil is sneaky. Eve was no imbecile. They were created without any flaw. People are amazed with computers. Adam and Eve were flawless. She wasn't an idiot. And if the devil can deceive her, he can deceive you and he can deceive me. We have to be on guard. And if he's deceiving our children and our young adults, if he's deceiving our teenagers and our young adults, then we need to step in, not only with our authority, but ask the Lord how to help you help them. But I gave you the two sources. And so if you know they're doing this, and I believe this is really important for tonight. If you know they're doing this, then you've, you've got to know by their actions and their attitude, are they going God's way or is the devil messing with them? And if the devil's messing, you cannot tolerate it. Don't tolerate it in the realm of the spirit, but don't tolerate it just figure out a way to talk to them, show them, give them the two scriptures I gave. Which road are you on? Which one are you listening to? Because you don't want to go after the devil. You want to go after God. Amen? Sermonette number one, done. Hallelujah. We've been talking about unfeigned faith. And when I left you, you may not remember, but we were starving our doubt. Do you remember that? We were starving our doubt. Uh, let's pick it up. Let's review just a little bit, and I'm going to get you out of here. Um, hopefully before a drop of rain hits your head. Hallelujah. We'll see. And, I'm, well, I can't promise, because I don't know what's going on out there, but I know we're going to be all right. So, but this is the deal. You know, I used to, how many of everybody, uh, Thomas, you remember everybody calls him what? But we found out that's not what his name should have been, right? And then I found out something that I've been preaching for 30 some odd years and I've had other people say it, but it didn't come a revelation to me until I studied this two or three weeks ago really strong. You know, uh, the, the apostles, you know, the, the 10 of them that were left, you know, they were up in the room and remember Mary came to him and said, I've seen him. You know, the first, the, the first preacher of the resurrection is a woman. Get over it. Hallelujah. The first res- preacher of the resurrection was a woman. And she came and they what? Just like a lot of women face today, they believed her not. And then we got the two dudes on the road to Emmaus. Remember them? And Jesus is like, oh, it's Jesus. And they went back and they told him. And what did the ten do? They didn't believe. And, and Jesus was like, it's all right. No. When he appeared to them, he did what? He upbraided them for their unbelief. Right? So, so the ten of them then, because uh, um, Thomas wasn't there. And so they told Thomas, we've seen the Lord. And what did Thomas do? Well, he gave them a taste of their own medicine.
He's like, I don't, I'm not going to believe until I, until I thrust my hand into his side or put my finger through his nails. And then Jesus came back and he, he said, uh, don't be unbelieving. But he said, go ahead, right? In the Lord merciful. In the Lord merciful. In the Lord. And he said, but blessed are those who have never seen me and yet believe. And that's you and me. Amen. We're believers. But I've been talking to you about the difference between unbelief and doubt. The children of Israel couldn't go into the promised land because they have an evil heart of unbelief, right? And so just so you remember, that word unbelief is um, apostia, and it means faithlessness. It means disbelief. Um, remember when Jesus went to his hometown, he marveled at their unbelief, and the cure for unbelief is what? teaching and preaching the word of God. He went around about their villages teaching and preaching. The cure for unbelief is teaching and preaching. And yet unbelief, the, the children of Israel, God said they had an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is a choice. Unbelief can happen two ways. It can happen because you believe it not, you won't believe, it doesn't matter what anybody says. Or remember what the apostle Paul said as he persecuted the church. He said, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So there's an unbelief that's on purpose. You just choose not to believe. That's the children of Israel. That's why it's called an evil heart of unbelief. God brought them out with silver and gold and unsick and feeble among them. He sent them in. The promised land's exactly what he said. But they said what? No, that land's going to eat us. There's giants. There's walls. We are not going in. God, you brought us out here to kill our children. That's what he said. Woo. Their words were stout against him. That's why he called them stiff-necked and rebellious. And they didn't believe. Only two believed. Joshua and Caleb. But so that's unbelief. And I said to you, not, at, not the case always, but in our church, I don't really believe what I teach you, especially on a Wednesday night, that unbelief is your problem. Or my problem. I'm not going to leave you out there by yourself. Or my problem. It's called doubt. And it's two distinctive words. In our circle, in our camp, in our spirit-filled group, a lot of people, when they talk about people not receiving, they call it doubt and unbelief. They run them together. They put an and in there, doubt and unbelief. And there's, there is a couple cases, and maybe one especially, where it talks about doubt and unbelief together. But mostly they're separate. And um, doubt, is a, it's, a just, it's a different word. It's a different word. It's diacrino. Diacrino. It means to withdraw from, to hesitate, to stagger, to waver. That's what we were talking about. Where is that found? Well, remember, Peter walked on the water. How many know Peter walked on the water? Everybody wants to talk about him falling first, but I want to talk about him walking on the water. Amen. He said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Jesus said to come. Faith begins where the will of God is known. He put his feet up over the edge of the ship, and he put it down on the water, and he walked on the water. Everybody say he walked on the water. What does that mean? His faith was working because he was walking on the word of God. Can you walk on the word of God? Do you have a measure of faith? That was weak. Can you walk on the word of God? It's written. You can walk on it. It's a more sure word of prophecy. It's the will of God. The word of God is the will of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So when you know the will of God, you can walk out on faith. And see, the deal of it is, then what happened was, when he saw, when he saw, what saw? It's in the sense realm. Sight, hearing, feeling, emotions. It's in the sense realm. And when he got in the sense realm, in other words, he saw the wind boisterous. He's no longer seeing the word come. He's no longer walking on the word. When he saw the wind boisterous, he grew afraid. Fear 
is to the devil what faith is to God. God needs your faith. The devil needs your fear. He needs you to be in the natural. And the Bible says, Jesus said to him, remember when Peter began to sink. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever began to sink? Hallelujah. Yes, I've began to sink. Have you ever began? And what happens? I told you not to raise my hand. Your hand, I'll tell you, it happens to all of us, right? And a help me Jesus in the middle of that is still good. And what did the Lord do? I always like to say it this way because this is a lot of religious people are. And, when they see, you know, and sometimes even people who are real hard and don't understand the loving kindness and the goodness of God. You know, um, some people, you know, they begin to teach and preach here that Jesus got irritated and like fire came out of his eyes and stuff. And, and he was just really mad with him. But I, I really don't see it that way. And I'm sure some of my elders uh, in the Lord might, who, who teach along these lines might correct me. But that's all right. I, I really see what I see in this. Um, you know, uh, he, he said, help me, Jesus. What did Jesus do? He helped him. He didn't say, well, you stupid human, you shouldn't have tried this. Faith is only for a few select folks. You know, you shouldn't have tried. I just let you do this so you could see this is, this is not for you. You know, it's kind of like the same thing when Jesus cursed the fig tree and he said, don't try this at home. It's too dangerous. It's too much for you as a human. No, Jesus basically said, do what I do, right? If you would say, if you would say, he didn't say you can't try, don't try this at home. This is above your pay grade. He said, if you would say, he's saying you could do it. So Peter, so this is, to me, this is the cool part. He puts him back up. He lifts him up. And where is he? He's on the outside of the ship. His feet are back. The water is under him in the middle of the storm. And Jesus said this, Oh, you of, King James says, you of little faith. But if you look at that word little in amount, you think, ah, oh, dude. But if, only, if, if little in amount can help you walk on the water, that's pretty cool. But I don't really believe the word little there is an amount. I believe it's length of time. Why did your faith only last a little while? How many of you know we've started out sometimes in faith and we're going really good and it only lasts a little while? What happens? We see, we feel, we get a bill, we get a report, and it changes what we consider. It changes what we're looking at, right? And so, so he said to him, you're, you of little faith, why did your faith only last a little, little while? Why did you doubt he didn't say, why did you get in unbelief? He said, why did you doubt? Now, I want to say this to you and understand what I'm saying. The presence of doubt does not mean the absence of faith. The presence of doubt, the, the presence of unbelief is definitely the absence of faith. It's one or the other. But you can have faith and then doubt can come in. But even a little bit of doubt will overshadow and overtake or cover up your faith and cause it to cease from working. So for you and I, I think we need to concentrate on then what causes us to doubt or what are the signs of doubt? How do I know, uh, you know, so we know how doubt comes in. Doubt comes from what you see. Remember um, the... Um, it's, it's similar in the same way unbelief comes in it, there, because there's all kinds of reports. You remember, you, uh, whose report will you believe? There's the report of the Lord 
And there's a natural report based on facts. And um, you can't rely on facts and live by facts only. That makes you a mere human being. You and I have something far better than that. We have the report of the Lord, which can change, the truth can change a fact. And, 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 and so, but, but there are reports to consider. So I want to I talk about um, these things a little bit. Um, so what does it mean? Uh, what, how can you tell if you're believing or if doubt has gotten in? So there's some signs. So let's, let's do it this way. Um, turn with me to 1 John 5.10 and stick with me just a second. I want to say the first way that you know you're in faith versus doubt is if you, if you, if you have a witness, you have a knowing in your heart. Where is faith? Faith is of the cardia. Faith is that word cardia. Jesus said you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth. That word heart there is cardia. It's the center of you. If you study the cardia, first and foremost, it's your spirit. And then also, your, your soul is somewhat in there because the Bible says your spirit and your soul are intertwined. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then your conscience lives in your cardio. Okay, this Wednesday night, you can all handle this, right? Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. That's why in 1 John 3, 20 and 21, it says, If your heart condemn you not, you have confidence before God. Where does condemnation come from? It's your cardia. It doesn't come from God. It comes from your born-again cardia. Conviction comes from the Holy Ghost. Condemnation comes from the outside, from the devil. But it also can come from your cardia if your heart doesn't condemn you. In other words, when you do something wrong, you're living in practice and sin, there should be your conscience will go, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. We don't, we don't do that. That's not who we are. Our nature doesn't agree with that. That, that, those of us with this kind of nature, we don't live that way. We don't talk that way. We don't watch those things. We don't do those things. And your conscience will begin to bother you. Remember the apostle Paul said, I, I, I've decided to live my, with my conscience clear before God and man. So that's what your cardia is made up of. And so where do you believe from? You believe from your heart, yeah. from your cardia. And so, yes, your soul's involved, but I'll say it again. Remember all those 20-some weeks ago, I said this, I think, the first night, and some of you looked at me kind of strange, but you don't believe God with your renewed mind. Do you need to renew your mind? Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. You must renew your mind. If you'll renew your mind, you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is. But you don't believe God with your renewed mind. That's why my spiritual father used to say, and I never really understand it. He said, you can believe in your heart with, with doubt in your head. And I never really understood that or really agreed with it. But I just listened because he, he, he knew a few more things than I did. He knew a lot more than I did. He still, even though he's not here, I listen to his tapes all the time. And he still knows more than I do. And he's been gone for a number of years. But, but, but understand what he's saying is that, so then if doubt, if it comes momentarily to your soul, to your mind, to your emotions, you can get rid of it. You just can't let it in your heart. And so this is where I want to start here. First John, he that believes on the son of God has a witness. Are you born again? How do you know? Where do you know at? Do you know in your head? Do you, where do you know? You have a, you remember? So if you're asking someone, uh, are you born again? And they're like, I don't know. I hope so. What do you know? Not born again. 
How do I know that? Because salvation is no-so. You don't know so in your head. Yes, it says because you love the brethren, but really salvation is no so. And if someone don't know so, they ain't so. If someone don't know so, they're not. And you shouldn't just leave them and hope they work it out. They have, it's a no so experience. I know. How do I know? My, it says, I have a witness. I have a witness. He that believes on, the, on God has made him, uh, he said, he that believes on the Son of God has a witness in himself. He that believes not on God has made him a liar because he believes not on the record of the Son of God. So, but let's look back to this. Romans 8, um, mostly preach out of Romans 8, 14, but I want to look at Romans 8, 16. The Spirit, uh, Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself is a better translation. The Holy Ghost is not an it. The Spirit himself does what? Bears witness. With our spirit that we are children of God. So the Holy Ghost is bearing witness. So that's where it starts. The Holy Ghost bears witness. Well, what is he bearing witness with? What you believed. What did you believe? Well, what's the most important thing to believe? What do you got to believe to be uh, born again? That Jesus was raised from the dead. I believe that. I, I, I received Jesus as Savior, made him my, the Lord of my life. But the reason that his spirit bears witness is because I believe something. Stick with me. I believe something. Don't make this too simple. I believe something. Well, can you know if you are in faith or if doubt is bothering you or if doubt is trying to creep in? Yeah, because, see, if you really know something, there's no, there's no wiggle. There, there's no wondering. Because that was doubt. What is doubt? It's due. What does it mean? It means to be James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. A double-minded man, a man with two mindsets, is unstable in all his ways. How can he receive, receive by faith, receive anything from the Lord? So, so you could say it this way and not do any harm to the scripture. A man with one mindset is stable in all of his ways. He can receive everything from the Lord. Same thing, only in the positive instead of the negative. So what's, what's the devil do? He brings something for you to see. He brings something for you to feel. He brings something for a report so that you can turn your attention off of what God said and what you believe. And what happens? Doubt comes in. And when doubt comes in, what happens? It chokes out the word of God. What happens? It, it chokes out your faith. It's not the absence of faith. The presence of doubt is not absence of faith because you were walking in faith, just like Peter. And then doubt came in and it sunk that. But guess what? You can get back in faith. Doubt, listen to me. Doubt is not something that you have to say, just sit down. Forget it. I'm a doubter. No, it's momentary. It can be momentary. Don't tell me you can't get right back in faith because you can. Well, I have to go through the whole process and start all over again. No. You can just get rid of the doubt, kick it out, starve it out, open the door and say, you're excused. You may leave now. This is not, I, I believe God. How can you tell if you are? There's a surety on the inside of you. I, I, I tell this story. Uh, it happened so many years ago, but it just made such an impression on me. We had a, we were back in the storefront. So that was like, what, 60 years ago? So we were, it was a long time ago, and this lady came, and, you know, most of the people I had with me, there was a few who understood the Word of God, but a lot of them just, I don't know how they got to our church. They, they got there, and they were learning the Word. And so um, 
I'll never forget this woman. Um, she had been meditating on, call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint you with oil. You lay hands on the sick. You pray the prayer of faith, and the prayer of faith will heal them. And so after service, she came to me and Pastor Rodney, and she said, um, um, are, are you considered an elder? And I was like, yep. Not very old, but I'm an elder. It's a pastor. Yep. Do you believe in anointing with oil? I said, well, I, don't, I usually don't, you know, but, you know, that's scriptural. Well, she said, I've been meditating on it. And she said, if you'll lay your hands on me, anoint me with oil, I'll be healed. And back in the day, you know, every good uh, charismatic, you know, we had the big bottle. I think ours wasn't that big. But we didn't have the little bottle. I had a pastor that laid hands on everybody. You know, you go out of church smelling like olive oil, hallelujah. And then, you know, I've seen them dump it. Anyway, anyway, you know, so we just, I just did it. But the moment we were there, the moment I, t- I didn't, can I be real honest? I didn't know if she'd be able to receive. She's just learning. I didn't know. You know, I've seen people with the, the oil thing. It's become very religious to them, just a habit, just a, just a thing. But I remember taking the oil, putting it on there, and as soon as I went like this, she is in the floor, no ushers. And she got up healed. Why? She believed something. She believed it. She had a knowing on the inside that if she could find an elder that would agree with her, that would do what the Scripture says, pray the prayer of faith, she would be healed. It's a witness. It's an, I know this. Can you tell if you're, do you, if you have to, do you think I'm in faith? If you have to ask somebody that, you are not. Do you think I'm in faith? You're not. If you have to ask somebody, you're not. Uh-oh, I made some of you mad. Don't get mad at me. I'm trying to help you. Well, I'm just questioning. No, that's not faith. Faith knows. Do you know you're saved? Do you know? How do you know? Because you have a witness. So doubt, what it would try to come in and do, is, and it's even done this with people with salvation, is, oh, you're not saved. You just said something. You know? So what does the devil do? He's trying to get you to believe something different so that you'll let go of what's on the inside of you. All right? So that's one thing. Number two, let's look at this one. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Doubt versus faith. Doubt has to come in from the outside. Faith is of the heart. So the devil always works on what you can see, what you can feel, a report. He needs something out here. He needs you to reconsider what you have believed. He needs to, the devil will try to overwhelm you with circumstances. And some of you have been doing this for a while, so he's not just going to send a problem. You know, he doesn't send a mountain anymore to you. He sends a mountain range. Try to do what? Overwhelm you. But if you can move a mountain, you can move a mountain range. Same word, same Holy Ghost. So how can I tell if I'm in faith or if I'm dealing with doubt? Hebrews chapter 4. This is talking about the children of Israel coming out, you know, going into the promised land. But he said this in Hebrews chapter 4. We don't have time to look at it all. Um, um, verse 4, Hebrews 4, 4. For we circle a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest on the seventh day from all of his works. And in this place, again, if you... 
if they shall enter into my rest. Enter into my rest. So then it goes on. Uh, I know a lot of people look at this, the, you know, the Sabbath day. We're not supposed to do any works. But here right now, it's not talking about a day anymore. It's talking about a place. There's a place called rest. There's a place called rest. So don't get caught up on the day. It's a place. Because God rested from all of his works. Why? Because he's finished. And in order for your faith to work and there be no doubt present, you have to rest. You have to rest. It goes on, uh, verse 7. And again, he, he limited the certain day, saying to David, today, after so long a time, and he said, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, for Jesus had given them rest. They went not after her spoken of another day. There if therefore remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. Verse 10, for he that enters into his rest has ceased from his own works as God did from his. And then it says this, and labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of, it's talking about unbelief here because it's talking about the children of Israel. But even when doubt comes in, it tries to unsettle you. It tries to pull you from your seated position on what you're believing for. Because, see, if you're in faith, you're seated in that. What I mean by that, you're seated. It's done. You are resting in the promises of God. I have asked the Father. I prayed in faith. I believe I have received. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. This is the confidence, 1 John 5, 14, 15. This is the confidence that I have in him, that if I ask anything according to his will, I know that he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, I know that I have the petitions that I've desired of him. What am I doing? When I believe that I receive, when I've got it, I don't have to see it. I don't have to feel it. I know that it's done and I am at rest. What does the devil try to do then? Because you're in faith. Because you're in faith. You wouldn't have prayed that prayer if you weren't in faith. Well, you shouldn't pray that prayer until you're ready to pray it. Because the moment you pray and say amen, then you've got it. This is the confidence. I got it. Amen. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I got it. What is faith? Faith. Faith. What is faith? What is faith? Hallelujah. What is it? It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I'm in faith. I have it. That's my evidence. What's your evidence? I got a scripture. That's my evidence. I have a word from the Lord. That's my evidence. That evidence will hold up in the realm of the spirit. That evidence will hold up in the realm of the spirit. That is my evidence. What are you believing for? Uh, well, I, I just believe that I'm healed. Well, on what scripture? I, I'm just believe, I just believe I'm healed. No, give me a scripture. Well, I said I, I'm healed in Jesus' name. I want a scripture. <clears throat> Why? Because God wants a scripture. Because the devil will have to have a scripture. You have to have word. You have to have evidence. You can't build your faith apart from the word of God. Right? But once you get this evidence, y'all good? Once you get this evidence, oh, I could teach this morning, noon, and night. This changed my life. Walking by faith, whose life has it changed your life? Is there more to get, though? Because, see, if I can get rid of any doubt and understand what it takes to be real with myself. When am I really in faith? And then if I'm not in faith, then I've got to work at getting some doubt out. 
Because it's probably not unbelief. You know, in our church, you've heard the word. So most people that don't receive their healing, it's not unbelief. It's they let doubt. And it happens. Finances, peace, anything. When God, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. If God said you can have it and it's in the word and you can believe for it, you can have it. But what does the devil do with you and me? He tries to bring something out of this realm, this natural realm, to make us change our position and, and to get us to say different things, see different things, say different feel different things. Come on, man. When Peter was walking, the, this fisherman, the waves were hitting him in the face. And then he had to realize, you can't walk on water. You can't walk on water. You can't even walk on water when it's flat. You can't walk in water. What are you doing? Who do you think you are? Help me. Noah was right there. Right? Why did you doubt? Why did you let those thoughts in? So we can't let them in. We can't let them in. We can't let them in. We can't let those weeds into our hearts because they'll choke out the word of God. Right? And, and so here, though, this rest. So what's the opposite of rest? What will the devil try to? Now, this one I know a lot about. So instead of rest, what, is, what will happen? How do you know doubt is trying to come in? Worry. Worry. Have you ever worried to bill paid? The more you worry about it. Now, I come from a long line of worriers. I do know what I'm talking about. I worried myself so much when I was a freshman in high school that I spent three weeks in the hospital. Worried that I didn't fit in. Worried that I wasn't as tall as I was the short, second shortest kid in my entire high school. And back then I was as short as I was wide. Anyway, I don't want to talk about it. It was awful. I went from being a very popular kid in the eighth grade to having almost no friends when I was in ninth grade. Because someone lied about me. It was awful. I worried myself sick. I understand it. But see, also if you've been taught to worry, because a lot of people teach you to worry, because if you don't worry, that means you don't care. But I had to get to the place where I said, you're right, I don't care. Not the way you want me to care. If you want me to really care, you need to not feed me all that baloney, <laughs> that, that stuff, because, I, because it creeps in. So you worrying, you think, you, you can't, a lot of people worry and pray. Do you know the Lord never told you to worry and pray? Just because you pray, but if you add worry with it, you undone everything you prayed about. Why are you worrying and praying? He didn't say worry and pray, he said watch and pray. There's a big difference. Worry is doubt-filled. Worry is doubt-filled. It's believing the lies of the devil. And really a lot of times what I've figured, had to figure out is worry is something about the future that hasn't even happened yet. And it opposes faith, which is pulling something uh, out in the future to you now. Or that you're going to walk into in the future. So worry is from the devil. That's why the Lord said, cast all your cares upon me. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but through prayer and supplication. What? Make your request known unto God. And so if, if, if I've got any worry, y'all, I don't pet worry. I have to deal with it on my own, and I don't pet it. I don't like to be around it, and I don't like to hear it. It irritates me. Why? Because it is full of doubt. And it will destroy faith. It destroys it. 
destroys it. Well, you mean you can't talk about anything? You can talk about things that are going on without being fearful, without being full of worry. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm free from worrying. Are you free from worrying? Well, I'm working on it. Well, well let's, work, let's keep working on it. When it comes, cast it off on the Lord. The Lord's, I, I pray the Lord's got this. Because, see, if you can't fix it, you're worrying about it, ain't going to fix it. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Hallelujah. <laughs> Rest. Let what does it say to do? Because obviously this is not easy. He said, verse 11, 411 Hebrews, let us labor. What does that mean? Well, you got to work at it. Why? Because the devil's working at it. What's he trying to do? Get you into doubt. What do I got to be? At rest or at peace. At, I'm resting in the promise. Just like my salvation, I'm seated in heavenly places. What's the devil always trying to get you to do? Get up. Come down here. I remember one time, the Lord, I don't know why, how this applies, but it popped up, so I'll say it. I, you know, we're always asking uh, the Lord, you know, Lord, just come down here, fall here. Oh, Lord, come, Lord, come. And, and uh, I remember Holy Ghost, uh, it was uh, the Lord, it was really strong. He said, you always ask me to come down there. Why don't you come up here? Well, that's weird. Well, what is he saying? Come on, sit in me in heavenly places and be at rest. Where you belong. Where do you belong? I belong at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. Amen. What is that? That's a place of rest. It is finished. It is done. Come on, it is finished. It is done. So what do you got to do? It said there in Hebrews 11, let us labor. What does that mean? That means I got to work at it. And then some of us, like me, or maybe you, we have to labor a little harder than other people. But you, we can get there, and what do we got to do? Anytime a care comes, cast it on the Lord. Anytime a rogue thought comes, what do we do? Cast down every imagination, every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, every, what, so what does the devil do? He tries to bring worry. Where does he bring it to? Your mind. Your mind is the battleground. What do you got to do? When that thought comes, you got to capture it. How do you capture it? You got to open your mouth and say what the Word of God says about that. Other words, those things get in your mind and they become strongholds. I used to have a stronghold in my mind. A couple of areas. Fortified places that the devil had talked to me about and convinced me about. And what I had to do? Well, just getting hands laid on you, well, that doesn't fix that. You, you gotta, you, what do you got to do with those strongholds? Man, we are all over every place tonight. Hallelujah. What do you got to do? You got to take those thoughts captive and you got to kick them out. And then you got to renew your mind with the Word of God. That's what worry happens in here. What happens when worry happens? How many of you, you know, even like worry, people who are world champion warriors like I used to be, you used to get pictures. It came with pictures. It came with pictures. You know, even when Rhonda and I first got married, you know, uh, this is before cell phones. You know, she'd tell me she's going somewhere. And she's a half an hour late. I get a picture of her laying, uh, you know, at the side of the road, dead. I, it was real to me. I was taught that. I love my mammal, but mammal taught me how to worry. She was world champion. Taught us how to worry. But then I, then I would get mad at her. 
Like, if you're going to be late, you need to call me. Thank God for the cell phone. Now I have tracking devices. Every- no, I, I'm just kidding. I don't. We had one on Destiny when she was a teenager. No, we didn't, really. Um, can, I, can I tell you this? I don't think she'll mind. When Destiny started driving, she's a great driver. But I really, so that's what, six, only six, seven years ago. You know, that's my baby. And she's good at it. But I, the devil messed with me morning, noon, and night. I had to get, I had to get past it. And so the Holy Ghost helped me. Because, you know, she, she would, back then, she's really responsible now, but back then she would forget when she would get her friend's house and not text me like she was supposed to. Her mom was fine, but I needed a text. <laughs> I, I, so I'm really being real with you. I really work on this. I have to work on this. Everybody has their things. Yet, it, if I let this in, I can't be at rest. And I can't, have faith. I can't be at faith. So I have to work on it. I have to labor. I know this one. I know this one. And so the Holy Ghost kind of made me a deal. He said, why don't I just prompt your heart when she gets there? And so you'll know. And I'm telling you. So I started practicing. So about a second before she'd text, I already knew. And then when she forget, we were cool. I still text her half hour later. So where are you at? Anyway. Did that with her. So what, what am I saying to you? It's not something to play with. If I have to work at it, but I'm telling you, you got, and you got to constantly do it. No matter what your thing is that you deal with, discover it. It's, it's doubt, and it gets in, and it's not okay. It's not okay. It's, it's not benign. It's not irrelevant. It destroys your faith. It doesn't mean there's absence of faith, but doubt will cause you to sink, even though you were walking. But if it happens, you can get rid of it, kick it out, and then carry on with your faith. You just got to notice what doubt is. So doubt is a place of no rest. A, place, a doubt is a place of worry. Doubt is a place of fear. He saw the wind and was afraid. The devil needs you to be afraid so that he can introduce doubt into what you're believing and then destroy, then cover up your faith and cause it not to be working. Amen? We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org, check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.